Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. All right, guys, so welcome to another episode of the Imperfectly Perfect Podcast, where each week I'm joined by some of the world's most recognized and renowned faces in the entertainment industry, on the sports field, and in the corporate sector, sharing their own truths and their personal journeys. This episode, I chat with none other than Sam Otto, actor and singer who left Drama Centre London a few months early in 2016 for a part in Richard Wilson's Fract at Chichester Festival Theatre and during rehearsals secured the lead in Peter Kosminski's explosive drama, The State, which went on to receive a BAFTA nomination in the miniseries category. Following the pre-release, Sam was recognised as one of Screen Daily Stars of Tomorrow 2017 and as a pilot episode of Snowpiercer on TNT and Netflix, which went on to shoot three seasons over the following four years, with the third wrapping in Vancouver in July 2021, with a fourth to be shot in 2022. Sam has just finished a run of James Graham's play, Best of Enemies, at the Young Vic Theatre in London. So firstly, welcome to the show, Sam. Thanks so much, Glenn. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Nice so, so when I reached out to you, obviously, this random guy, you guys get <laughs> opportunities, all this kind of stuff. I was speaking to somebody the other day and I was like, so this ran- random guy just reaches out talking about a premise behind mental health and some people's dealt with mental health some people haven't so a big thing about the IPC is about getting to know the person behind the profession we have to see recognized public figures on stage on screens and think their life is somewhat perfect IPC is about uncovering that and stuffing those conversations around not just mental health or well-being but understanding a lot of times albeit some amazing professions of what you love they don't always come easy so I like to know about the person behind the profession so can you just give us a brief journey because I know you're a keen sportsman a musician, and then you dropped out of doing English at university to go to drama school? Yeah, yeah that's right, yeah. Yeah, so my journey to what I'm doing now is was quite, I guess, um, quite a kind of long one. Yeah, I, was, I did like a lot of sport and stuff at school. I didn't really have a direct idea about what I wanted to do with my life when I was at school. Mm. I loved performance and that sort of thing, but I didn't come from a place where it was like, really felt like a legitimate career choice. So... Um, I went to university. Uh, I took a gap year first and I went to uni with the intention of just doing a degree that would give me options. So I did English and yeah, English and philosophy. But when I got there, I felt I didn't really like feel as though I was really clicking with the people I was there with. You know, I felt like we were, I, I had a different perhaps in my mind compared to some of the people I was there with. Um, a different idea about what I maybe wanted from my, from my life. I didn't really feel like I was in the right place. Um, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, after a few months, I was like, oh, I spoke to my parents about it and they were like, how are you feeling and stuff? And I said, I, um, because I, I clearly had it in my head anyway. And I said, I wish, maybe I wish I could have or should have gone to drama school. And then um, my parents, thankfully, were very supportive of me because my parents aren't like, you know, um, in like big kind of corporate jobs or anything where, where, where it's been a sort of clear setup from day one in terms of promotion and progression they've they've had quite quite kind of diverse and eclectic experiences in their work which has resulted in a lot of uncertainty in in our lives and stuff so they were kind of like well listen nothing's certain anyway so if you want to want to try and do something which is a bit of a dream then why not so um thankfully yeah i had their support and i just was like all right i'll give it a go then and uh yeah off i went and uh, as soon as i started doing that i felt in my sort of 
heart. I was like, yeah, this is really why at least want to be throwing my sort of my life at um, with the hope of maybe using it and having it as a career or a lifestyle someday. And um, thankfully other people thought the same. <laughs> and then I ended up <laughs> getting into drama school and, uh, and then, yeah, once I was at drama school, I was, I was really like, yeah, this is, I'm, I'm going to commit to this. I'm going to throw everything at it. I, I don't care. It takes me like decades to even make any money or anything. I just want to give it a really good go. Cause it's just so exciting to be chasing a dream. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I've done a lot of music and stuff along the way as well, but um, I'm hoping to kind of marry those things more as I go forwards. But yeah, the past few years have been incredibly exciting. Um, I've been I've been very fortunate. Do you want me to keep talking about what happened after drama school? Yeah, keep just, going. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, because drama school was just a whole thing. You know, we spent three years there, and um, I applied to only a handful of places. Uh, six schools I applied to, each of them I I thought would have been an amazing place to be would give me the best chance of success in the industry afterwards, mainly because of exposure to professionals in the industry, agents and casting directors and stuff. Even getting to drama school is incredibly competitive. And in fact, it's probably one of the most competitive parts of it. Because if you can, if you can get into a really good drama school, then you have, um, at least you have exposure to industry professionals that are like at the top of their game in London. Um, so I was like, okay, well, the first thing I can do, because again, I didn't have any way in. I didn't, I didn't come from a, a background where we have a lot of people in or anybody in the arts or in this industry in entertainment industry so I didn't really have anybody to kind of open a door for me mm. so if you're in that position as many people are I guess you want to go into this uh, this world then thankfully in this country we have a quite a good system set up because now that most of the drama schools have student finance um, attached to them through universities so you can get a student loan so you um, even if you're from a, a background you can't support yourself with money you can get loans to help you through. And that was, I was in that category. So, um, and there's a lot more, there's more and more things um, out there now for people that come from disadvantaged backgrounds, you can actually get into um, uh, drama school. Cause I think probably historically drama school and acting as a profession is quite a kind of privileged, privileged world really. You have to, normally you have to have connections or background or money, or whatever to get into it. Um, I don't come from that sort of um, background. So I had to go this sort of route of um, the only thing I could do was like, well, at least I can actually save up some money and get a job mm. and I can pay for my, pay for my drama school auditions and get in that way if I can get in. And um, so that's, yeah, that was the process for all that. And then um, it meant I had, uh, yeah, I had a loan and a maintenance grant and all that when I was at um, maintenance loan, not a grant, sorry, when I was at um, drama school. And uh, the time there with three years there was uh, incredible for me because I had no sort of prior background in acting or in anything in terms of stage or screen. So I kind of soaked everything up. Absolutely, absolutely loved it. It was um, an incredible, incredible experience. And I, I, we, we, I had a year of 16 people. So we got very, very close. We spent all of our time together in all of our classes. And it was, uh, it was uh, just like the best. I suddenly felt like in my life, I was like, yeah, I'm doing something. I kind of know where I want to be now, or at least where I want to be going. Whereas my whole life up to that point, I've been dabbling in loads of stuff. Like as you touched upon, I did a lot of sport and stuff growing up. Um, maybe considered doing that at one point. Maybe considered doing like, uh, graphic design at one point that was something I was interested in for a while um, maybe considered um, languages and stuff like that so I was really interested in a lot of things but suddenly when I was at drama school I was like yeah this is where because in a way acting you can combine all those things you know I think for yeah. a lot of people who are who are interested or have a lot of a lot of interests or a lot of kind of facets to what they like to do that's why this job is great because um, you're always going to be playing well if, if you're lucky enough to be working you'll be playing different parts so you can um use so much of yourself and that's what I loved about this I love about this because you know I'm, I'm quite a, 
physical person as well as being quite a, maybe sometimes quite intellectual but also quite creative and quite musical so there's all these things I can kind of I can use um and I found that in drama, uh, yeah, drama school and it's just like the best kind of a, a real exploration of myself and even though it's like um perhaps a stereotype to be like broken down at drama school and then built up again that's kind of what I'd heard about it before I got there but I was like I'm not sure that's really gonna they're not really gonna do that to us either but when I got there I actually it didn't happen deliberately in terms of like they weren't the teachers and, and staff weren't trying to to do that but it kind of I found that it kind of happened to me anyway I had to reevaluate a bit about who I was and just by nature of trying to get better at it trying to understand and trying to learn more I did have a definitely like a break moment in my third my third year I kind of had a moment where I was like I can't do this I'm I'm, I'm it's not going to happen I like had a massive breakdown in front of one of my uh, teachers because he was trying to push me to do to discover more from this scene, this scene I was writing we, we had to do little characters where we wrote our own characters and scenes and uh we had to perform it in front of the whole school the next week and I just I got to a point where I just physically couldn't get through my little scene and I was like this is it's not gonna happen I can't do it and then I was like imagining my head going out in front of the school on Monday and be like guys look sorry <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got anything done I can't do it um and I had a real that was like a moment I think I still think of that moment as being like a moment of uh challenge and maybe change for me because I had to really kind of I had to go home and really sort of like sort myself out and go no that you can do this you know you can do it and um and get down to the the business of like sorting it out working it out and then I went and did it on Monday that's probably the best I'd ever done it and it was just like opened up a a level of confidence in myself that I hadn't maybe had before because I was like I went through that really dark moment and I came through it and was able to use it and get stronger because of it and that I think fueled the end of my year and I had a really great experience with casting directors and agents I got my great my amazing agent picked me up from my showcase and then um yeah within a few months I was I was out in this play which was great and then a few months later I'd, <clears throat> I got this part in this insane series called The State which I you know you touched upon in the bio thing um which was an amazing show Peter Kosminski mm-hmm. um, and it was about young British Muslims who go to the Islamic State very obviously contentious and difficult subject matter but handled in a really really careful and, and wonderful way to try and educate people rather than anything else and uh, that was a channel 4 drama and I was playing like the male lead in it so as a young actor coming out of drama school it was a massive coup for me um especially given my like my, my background the way my sort of look a part in which I you know the person has to look a bit like me but a great part with a, a leading element to it and uh, and color and sort of um in terms of the journey of the character I mean um and an emotional core was something I wasn't necessarily expecting or hoping to play for a few years after drama school. So it was a real coup. And then, um, yeah, that, because that was a, like a pretty big and very well-received show opened a lot of doors for me. And that's where Snowpiercer came from. Almost directly from that, the casting director saw the trailer for that, um, the trailer for it, she saw the trailer for it. And then she wanted to see me for the part in, uh, in Snowpiercer, which has taken me from all the way from 2017 to where we are now. So it's been uh, yeah. It's been a ride for you. And, and has, we'll yeah. not lie, I always say it when I get to talk to people who are in the public eye in terms of entertainment. So I love the aspect that you spoke about that you actually came from nothing in relatively terms of having a background within entertainment. And yeah. there are loans and things like that because there are a lot of people who obviously get in touch with and think they can never attain what some of, some of you guys have done. To know that story behind the scenes is great. 
Um, but I mean, what's it like when you go from kind of that moment of obscurity, would I say, you're just going about your school, you're doing your plays and then you get TV show and then suddenly you're thrust into this limelight. Again, that's a whole new, <laughs> different realm, I suppose. Everybody knows your name, you're here, you're there, everyone's coming towards you, you don't know who's real, who's not real. How, how do you deal with that? Well, yes, I mean, I haven't really hit that sort of level where it's been like a, a, a changing my lifestyle yet, especially the past few years because Snowpiercer came out in 2020. And so what's been funny, that's been a very well-received and well-viewed show. I mean, a lot of people have seen it, actually. I've been surprised by how many. But because it happened during the pandemic, it meant that it was, like, difficult, really, to feel how many people had actually seen it because we were all indoors when we didn't go out. When we did go out, we were wearing masks. So actually... Um, and I'm still, we're still wearing masks out and about. So I haven't really felt that sense of, and I don't know if I would, I'm not like one of the biggest, biggest parts. I've, I've had various, a few things happen over the past few years where certainly that profile has been growing and I've sensed, I've sensed what it would, what it can feel like, but I've only had the nice aspects of it so far because I'm, I'm not like too far that way to be like recognized all over the shop. So when I do get recognized, actually it tends to be people that are like, have really enjoyed whatever it is. Cause obviously they're, they're quite big fans to know who I am in it. Um, and the state, which is that show that came out and people, everyone who had seen that tended to be somebody that was quite kind of politically aware, mm. quite interested in like the Middle East in conflict, that sort of thing, or, or what was going on with all that stuff. So actually it tends to be, at least in my experience so far, tends to be uh, people who, who recognize me or contact me or whatever tend to be people that are just interested in, in kind of supportive of, of, um, of what's happened or the work rather than trying to capitalize on, on something, you know, but I, I have sensed that and um, I, 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 it'd be very slippery slope that it can it can easily flip i reckon overnight but um yeah i haven't I haven't had too many sort of negative sides of it of it yet um i've only experienced the nice bits which tend to sort of open doors and opportunities rather than create a difficult life <laughs> well i never even thought about the mask thing obviously like you, yeah. you go out <laughs> normally you get recognized you've got a mask on nobody <laughs> knows anything but um snowpiercer i must say like it, it's so funny when i speak to people who are on shows and everything but snowpiercer Absolutely well received. Incredible. Mm. It's uh, it's funny because I've got good mates who are really good mates with, um, and I can never pronounce his last name, but Aaron Glenine, um, yeah, yeah. Australian from Sydney. So yeah, yeah we spoke quite a bit because I know I know quite a few oh, cool. of his close friends. But he's in that. He got us onto it. And funnily enough, it, I was hesitant because I'd seen the movie, and yeah. it was one of those movies where I was like, okay, I'm into this. Am I into this? And then my wife, she was like, let's watch the show. Hooked. Hooked. Really? <laughs> so that, that was quite a good move for you because did they approach you to sing in it as well? Because that's where you no. use vocals in one episode. Yeah, no, well, they not not initially. I mean, obviously, like I said, we started it in 2017. We did a yeah. pilot, then they picked it up in 2018 and we shot the first season, which took the whole thing changed dramatically. So I actually auditioned for a very different... It was the same part, but he, was, he changed quite a lot from the pilot to the, um, the first season. We did the first season and then... Can you hear that? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah sorry about that That's um, right. yeah we did um yeah the first season we did, we did all that and then the second season I had a we had a I had a conversation with the showrunner and he'd seen some of my stuff I put on my Instagram I sing and play sometimes on my Instagram and he um he'd seen some of that and he was like I think it might be interesting if we like suddenly bring something out at the end of the season like a really surprising turn for the character and initially I was a little bit hesitant because of it like that's something I do in my own, and obviously it's a great opportunity to share it on on the stage of this show, but it doesn't. It didn't really strike me at the time of as 
fitting the character. And obviously, as 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 it's been received, it is a really surprising moment. You do not expect that from that character at all. Yeah. So I was trying. I was trying to work out. I was trying to figure out in my head how that would how that would work as a as delivering that moment as the character. I didn't want it to feel like it was just like the actor using something he can do in the character. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Because partly part of what hap- the weird thing about doing a, a long running serial TV show is that you don't get obviously you don't get the story until you start doing it. And then when we're doing it, we only get this, the episodes like just before we start shooting each episode. Mm. So it's quite, it's quite difficult sometimes to plot in your head, like who the character is, if you don't really know what they're doing. Like, um, you know, in terms of if you're doing a play or if you're doing a film or something, you have the whole story of your character written down. So you can look at it and go like, okay, this is what that person does. This is what they say and what they feel and whatever. So I can start to work out who that person is because of what they do. One of the things we studied at drama school was about character versus action. And that's the, how we behave in life as well. It's like our character is defined by our actions and our actions are defined by our character. So if you haven't got any of the actions of your character, it's very hard to work out who that person is. Hmm. So you make your choices about who the person is based on what you have. So that's what I did on obviously in season one. And then in season two, now I have this end where suddenly he starts playing the piano and singing. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> and I, I reevaluate, rethink about maybe who this person is, who this guy is. But ultimately that's just my own little process. And what, what the audience will receive is, is their own thing as well. And so actually it was a, lovely lovely moment to um to share something of myself um yeah. within the character within the show and um yeah it was it was great and obviously it, it was university i think obviously i haven't heard people that didn't like it only people that liked it spoke to me about it but, um, <laughs> yeah um, but university from what i've heard people were really like moved by it and quite you know pleasantly yeah. surprised in many ways and yeah it was a great just a really nice moment to have as part of the the show I, I, I just kind of tell myself like just don't overthink it it doesn't really matter it's just like a lovely surprising moment for this character and, and for the relationship that's going on with it between Oz and LJ so um yeah it was great um and I yeah I really enjoyed it and I really liked it, it was because it was written in so great just at the dinner and you yeah <laughs> like we were surprised but it just as I say it was great and when you you spoke about what you do on your Instagram with your singing there was one like You've clearly got pipes, but amazing grace, amazing oh, yeah. grace, man. I was like, all right, that one, on the one I just did recently, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, thanks, absolutely mate. amazing. Anybody that can sing a cappella, just amazing grace. Just, I don't know. I think as I'm getting older, I'm getting softer, and I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> just because I can't sing for shit. I'm a Yorkshire man, obviously, <laughs> so yeah, I'm yeah. honest. But yeah, no, I think it's amazing. Um, oh, just thanks, in terms mate. with obviously COVID coming and the pandemic. We spoke yeah. about it prior to the podcast a little bit, how it affected everybody. But from going from that full-on work schedule, how was it to have to pull back? Was you able to keep on doing projects on the side or was that the singing that got you through that time through your Instagram and connecting with people? Yeah, kind kind of, yeah. I had a, I, I touched upon that on my, my post that you commented on a while back, but I had a bit of a, the past two years of through COVID and everything's been really difficult, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff kind of changed um i had prior to up to that point i was my life seemed to be kind of it was always a little bit uncertain in, in this job obviously you're kind of going from going from job to job and, and like you know the, the money kind of comes in in a big go or doesn't come in at all and then you kind of happen to like is it going to keep going is this career going to keep moving but it was still it felt really positive and exciting and in terms of the career i was in a great place when COVID happened i was really really fortunate um con- compared to a lot of the world who are you know jobs were getting cut or people didn't know what was what was going to happen, whether they're going to have any money or furlough and all that stuff. And even having a roof over your head and whether you're going to get the virus, it was a crazy time. And I was really fortunate because we were doing the second season 
Um, and then we had to stop just before we finished to get everyone got sent home for COVID. But they picked it up for a third, only a, a couple of months after that. So it meant that I was like still essentially employed with the promise of another whole season of employment to come. So I had this kind of period of time where I was like, okay, well, I'm, 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 you know, in a great safe position because I have work to come and I'm still being covered by this one that's just happened. And um, yeah, I mean, the, the strange thing about it was that um, I went, I moved out of London. I moved all my stuff out of London and I moved home with my family. And um, it actually meant I had this kind of golden period where I spent all, all this time with my family where I had not spent with them for like years and I hadn't seen them spent time with them like for a long period of time for ages uh, my little brother came back from university as well and so me and him and my parents my older brother only lives like half I'm one of three brothers so um, he, he lives at half an hour down the road mm. so we were able to see him as well and um, because my parents at that point they've moved since but they lived out in the, in the sort of small town in the country so actually we didn't have all this um, crazy stuff about you know, lots of people in the cities and stuff we could just actually go for a little walk yeah um, down the road and then just sort of stick, stick to ourselves. But this kind of very isolated period where we were actually spending all this time together. But certainly I felt a massive distance from my life in London and from uh, the industry. And um, yeah, I ended up just spending a lot of time making music and sit over this little like shed in the garden. I'm going to sit in there and make some music, play piano and just sing and stuff, which is, that has always been like a blessing and it's always been like a meditative thing for me that my yeah. pen is right here. Just like sit down and play it all the time, which is really... It's really nice, and that. So yeah, that, and I was in that position of like I said, I didn't have to. I, did, I was so fortunate; I didn't have to worry too much, knowing that I had another season to come. And also because with a big juggernaut thing like Snowpiercer, like TNT, like Netflix, there wasn't that fear of them being able to, to like put the next season on. You know, if it was a play or something, that would be different because, yeah, um, you know, you didn't know what would happen. But with a show like that, they have so much money; they can just like they get all the systems in place, they get all the tests and the masks and everything. And it was actually all the paperwork and it was like you could kind of be secure in the knowledge that that would would happen um and then in that interim I just had this kind of nice period of time with my family um but a lot of stuff happened in that year and I like I had a lot of issues I had this me mega thing that happened with one of my best closest friends like um basically like I can't I won't go into it but essentially he he kind of betrayed me in a big way and so I and he was like my closest friend like my brother and um and I so I ended up like losing him as a as a as a confidant as a as a friend as somebody I could sort of go to and and that ended up meaning that my whole I, f I ended up feeling really distant from my whole friendship group and they were all in London because I was out of London and yeah. I'd been away out of the country as well it meant that this distance grew between me and my and my friends so I ended up and I was, I was fortunate to be with my family because I ended up sort of you know being confiding in them and spending time with them but certainly in terms of my kind of mental health and sort of social aspects of my mental health in terms of my friend circle uh. I started to feel really cut off from that um and because I wasn't working either I was I got into a kind of space of like you know it was a really tough strange time and I had a, I, I got into a new relationship just around um the same time I had this thing with my friend but we had a lot of issues and we recently we recently ended our relationship a couple of months ago but it was um a few months ago now and it was um we, we used to argue and fight all the time and it was a very it was a really intense period of time um, and I ended up feeling like so kind of yeah, really sort of uh, in this sort of bubble of anxiety and stuff for, for a period of time. And um, yeah, music and, and just sort of like trying to find the joy in being creative as much as I could was, was a real blessing during that period. But again, as I said, I was, I was really fortunate to not be in like a, a state of mind where I didn't know what I was going to be doing. So 
I'm very grateful yeah. for that. And I mean, having your support network around you, your family is is the most important thing. That's what we try and tell people around here. Yeah. I mean, as a guy and that masculinity and we're trying to hide things, is that something that as you've grown and you've experienced emotions, whether setbacks or whether stuff that you've been going through, is that something as a guy that you've been easy able to talk to people about? Well, I definitely think that um, in this industry, being an actor, you know, generally people um, are much more emotionally available because mm. you know, if you're if you're a performer, if you're whatever singer as well, a musician as well, yeah. you know, everybody, you kind of have to be doing in order to. That's what we're doing really. We're, we're trying to we we examine people and emotions and human behaviour. We're trying to communicate that on screen or on stage or whatever. So you kind of have to have a bit of an understanding. And I've felt I've felt for sure that within my experience of working in this industry, spending more time with people um, who are performers, there's a bit more of a um, an openness to be able to talk about those things, but at the same time, perhaps as a sort of overall, a general generalization, people can be a bit more fickle because again, the nature of what we do is it's fleeting. You know, it's like you come into a job, you, you stay there for a bit and then you go after another one and stay there for a bit. So I found that really difficult. I found that like, I've got the, I've got my, my old school friends from my home and obviously my family. I'm very fortunate to have my whole family and stuff, but like, um, that's where the sort of stability in my life is. Whereas my my friends and my relationships in this industry, especially the further up I get in it, inevitably comes, like I said, with a sense of like a, a fleeting nature to those relationships. They might be they might feel intense for a period of time. Like this play I've just done, I had this wonderful group of people I've been working with, and it's felt like amazing, really like caring. They've been they've been really um, supportive and great to me. I've been going through a lot of obviously stuff as I, as I touched upon, but I also know that once it's over, I might not see them yeah. again or not for ages or you know, maybe not have that because it's so tied to the work that you're doing at the time and like um so yeah the, my stability comes from my my home my home friends but with them they're they're not as emotionally available as my acting friends so it's kind of this like this kind of strange duality I have to kind of I've got the people I can really go to and talk to um one of my yeah. oldest friends he's he's had a lot of um kind of a journey with his own mental health as well so he has like a lot of stuff I can really talk to him he's like my oldest friend from school school and then um, my mum to be honest my mum is like the person I would always really sort of talk to about everything she really understands I think and is able to we have a real kind of talk about it and I do think that as I've got older I've, I've, my relationship with my parents has got closer and deeper as well as my relationship with my with my friends and as I said as a, as a man I certainly I think I had a um like many years especially when I was younger when I was like I don't I'm not going to cry. Like, that's not something I'm going to do. When I was like young, you know, my parents had some difficulty in their marriage when I was like 14. And um, I think it was about that point where I said to myself, I know, maybe it was, when I was even younger than that. But anyway, I, I think it was about that point where I realized like, I was like, I almost had an inability to connect with my emotional kind of core. And it took me a while to, to reconnect with it. Um, and then I think, I do think when I went to drama school and had to start exploring more of those things, I unlocked some stuff. And as, as I've progressed through my career as an actor, I've again, unlocked more and more of it because it's really helpful, obviously, as a performer yeah. and actor to, to have access to that. Um, and uh, in the past two years, I've probably been, like I said, more emotional than I've ever been in my life because <laughs> yeah. so much stuff has happened. I lost my grand last year and I was away in Canada when that happened and I couldn't come back to be to be here with her and or to even go to a funeral and I found that really hard and obviously all my stuff with my mates I found that incredibly isolating and felt so lonely and and then 
with my relationship just gone as well that was incredibly intense and up and down massively as well so a lot of uh, a lot of emotional kind of yeah, yeah. outlay but um I've, I've come to a point now in my life and in my sort of journey where I, I definitely have access to it at least I'm able to let it out you know in a in a hopefully in a healthy in a healthy and uh, sort of um you know positive way but, and I know um, you mentioned like you um was it you studying or or into philosophy have you have you really delved or do you still delve into that about now now as you're getting older and you're moving through things I actually I said something the other day because it was a really good friend over in the US that said this to me and he's a big TV personality and he actually said look Glenn he was like this is a byproduct he said what you do what I do about helping people and a passion that's where I found my happiness this is a byproduct I love it but as I've got older, I've realized it doesn't matter fame, it doesn't matter money, it doesn't matter this. Your circles become closer and your happiness becomes in whatever it is that makes you feel alive each day. Yeah. What about yourself? Like, have you found with the with the outlook on life as it changes as you've got older and I can't even say the word philosophical mate <laughs> yeah yeah I, I get what you mean like I, I did um yeah I did that little bit of time at uni doing philosophy but one thing about studying philosophy was that it really opened my mind or at least kind of made my mind sort of explode open I was like what so what it made me question everything actually it's like what what, what, what what does everything mean like does anything really matter that was what that was the, the sort of stuff that made me think back then yeah but um yeah certainly as I've especially the past two years especially during COVID, during what the pandemic has taught me, I've had to really think about what I want and what I really value in my in my life. And in many ways, I kind of thought to myself, it's like nothing really matters unless you have, at least in terms of how I feel, unless you have meaningful relationships and you can have, you know, a cl- like a genuine closeness with people who care about you and you care about them. Because like I said, with my, my, my best mate, I, I, I suddenly realized when all that happened that maybe he, didn't really care about me as much as I thought he did and he didn't care about me as much as I cared about him because I was like I would never do that I've never ever do that and how could to, to you like, how could you do that to me I can't mm. I still I'm still unable to really understand I know I don't think I ever will but um and that kind of made me think well that obviously made me question stuff a lot and confuse me because I I thought to myself well if, if I truly believed he he cared about me but he actually didn't then it makes me question a lot of things my reality almost you know um so yeah for sure like it made me really question and evaluate and think about what it really means to be like emotionally invested in somebody and and to be vulnerable to somebody and and to feel that they're vulnerable to you and to to actually trust somebody like with everything or with as much as you can offer or you, you can and um it was nice actually being back with my family as well we we all had a lot of a lot of stuff happen with you know, in, in terms of conversations we were having, we ended up having these like much deeper conversations than we'd ever had about a lot of stuff that happened in the past and in the present and how we all felt about stuff that maybe we hadn't spoken about so much before. Like we ended up talking about stuff like sex and like drugs and stuff. And in my family, we hadn't really had those conversations for yeah. for years. Because, you know, I said I hadn't been at home for a long time. Um, and back when I was in my like late teens or whatever, when you're maybe exploring those things, yeah, we wouldn't talk about it. And my, my parents come yeah. from a... a my parents are, are Christians and my mum's a vicar in the church. So like perhaps as a kind of rule we thought, or at least felt as, as young, young people growing up that we maybe weren't supposed to be talking about or exploring those things. <laughs> so we opened up a lot of that. And we had like these really cool conversations, um, which I think brought us all a lot closer. 
and especially with my thing that's going with my friend as well it's like i went into a lot of a lot of a different place than i've been before yeah. um and so yeah i certainly have been thinking much more deeply about what i want from my or at least what i need from my relationships and from my my, my, my friendships and and my life and as i said it almost feels like everything else doesn't really matter at all no matter how successful one is or whatever you're doing like obviously it's very i've been in a career that's, that can be very very exciting yeah and um but it can also be quite isolating and I'm, I'm becoming more and more aware of that like i said no matter how many people you're surrounded by like the further up you get the less they really whether they like it or not the less they really care about you as a person and the more that you're uh, you you have a sort of value to people and that's it you know once as you I, I'm, I'm obviously not there yet but like i can i can see it and feel it happening the, the more your kind of value increases the less people will really care about you as a person and so i have to be aware of that and i think the most why it's very important therefore to keep the relationships with people that knew you from when you were younger or before yeah. this happened close it, because they know the real you it's amazing to listen like i i love having these chats all the time because even there you brought something else and and listening when you said and it's something that i'd not even thought about about you go in these intense relationships and from an external point of view, we all see you on shows and we see you on red carpets thinking like you're the best of friends, but yeah, it's a work thing. And as soon as you move away, it's isolating. I've, I've spoken yeah. to a couple of people who once become a good friend, Wes Gear, and he was on stadium. He was the lead guitarist for Corn and that. He was like 50, 100,000 people. And he said, when the lights go off, the cameras are done. It was like he's in his bedroom and it's just like... Yeah. It's, it's weird, like, isn't it? Because... so isolating, yeah, but everyone thinks like you've got it all, it's everything. And I mean, yeah, there's, there's having gratitude for the opportunities and things that do come, but I think a lot of people do mistake that for thinking I'm going to have this ultimate happiness when I attain what so many people have on TV yeah. or musicians. Yeah, I think it's like, I mean, obviously it's a very privileged position to be in, to, to find success in one of those industries because it's incredibly difficult to get there. And yeah. so naturally, I mean, I, as I said, I, I've, I've felt a bit of it and I'm, I'm very grateful for how far I've come and you get a sense of like satisfaction, I'd say. It's like, I'm really, I'm proud to have done this or I feel like it's actually so exciting and it's really like invigorating to be able to do this or feel that or, you know, but you're also still playing a role to some extent, obviously, aren't you? Kind of a different version of yourself. Um, and also people who, who have known you, I've, I've felt that some people who have known me for a while treat you differently as well. Because suddenly you're like, you, you kind of have a different, a sort of... A, not my family or my closest friends, but people that knew me or knew, knew me a little bit, maybe treat you slightly differently. But yeah. And like, as you say, you, you see from a distance, you, if, if, you know, you can, you can see people working in these industries, as you say, working together. And if they look like they, they can be like best mates and stuff, but because the nature of the industry means people are often very, very busy, then there's really not enough time even to like enrich those friendships. Cause to be honest, like it's a rarity. It's a, it's a great thing when real friendships do happen. And they, I, I've experienced some of that. Certainly my people on Snowpiercer, I would, I would count like most of them as being like genuine friends, mm. but because most of them live in LA, I live in London, I hardly, I would hardly ever see them. And so like, I'll see them if I'm in LA or something like that, and we'll, we'll, have, we'll catch up and we'll, we'll hang out and stuff. But just by nature of the lifestyle, I can't really consider them like my closest friends. Um, but yeah, as I said, it, it is strange because equally I would trust some of them to really be able to like sit down and talk, talk and listen and have deep, deep conversations about stuff because they're the sort of people that can do that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they're not somebody, not, they're not people I can really sort of invest in because then I can't 
inevitably see them or spend time with them in, in a terms of curating a proper friendship. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a kind of strange, it's a strange thing. As I said, the busier one gets, the more one is in this world, the more of those things will happen, the more friendships you'll have, but the less true friendships you'll have, I, I think. Yeah. Um, oh. People that really know you, yeah. Growth and lessons, isn't it? Each step is like you have to learn something else, but it makes us stronger. So I've just got one question for you. I ask every single person that comes onto the podcast, out of everything that you've learned, what you've gone through in the past year, just in terms of yourself, what does it mean to you to be imperfectly perfect? Hmm. I think, I guess that, well, what that says to me, what that kind of makes me feel is basically just, get into hopefully get into a point where you where I understand myself I understand my flaws which I have and I have a lot of them and I'm and I'm yeah I'm definitely understanding them and and accepting them more and more I think I'm, I actually am coming to a point of hopefully of acceptance in who I am you know I've, I've been I've had a lot of insecurities in my life and in my growing up in my childhood and like as I got older and and I do think over the past period of time, especially the past two years, I think because a lot of stuff was put in perspective about what really matters, our health and our people we love and care about, you know, life and death. It means like, what's, what's, why, why do I care if my like, I don't know, if my hair looks rubbish today or whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, and so I think a lot of uh, my sort of recent life experiences allowed me to accept myself a lot more and, and say, yeah, I'm happy hopefully happy with who I am and what I'm offering to the world. And, and hopefully because of that journey of acceptance, I'll be able one day to, to, um, well, in all, in all aspects, accept others as well and not, not put expectation or anything on other people, particularly friendships and like loving relationships as well. And I guess in that sense, you can, you can say, well, not perfect. I'm imperfect, but I'm happy to be imperfect. So that's probably Love what it. I'd say. Yeah. love it well i just want to say um thank you on behalf of coming on the campaign having a chat um yeah, where can nice. people find out more information about you obviously you've got another season of snowpiercer coming up any other projects in the pipeline with your music especially yeah well i really hope to do more music i'm i'm building upon that and i'm like uh i'm spending more and more time trying to write my own things and um what i'd really love to do is to is to do something where i get to sing like in a proper capacity, um, whether that be on stage or screen or whatever, you know, like a role that has singing as a part of it. I'm still hoping to to do one of them, at, at one of those at some point. I've been auditioning. I have auditioned a lot of, for a lot of things over the years where I get to sing as well. So hopefully that'll be something I, I can do. But I really hope to uh, write my own and bring my own music. And that will be something that I'll be getting out, I'm sure, at some point before long. So watch this space. Um, otherwise, Snowpiercer has me for a while yet. Um, and then at the end of the year, uh, we'll see. But um just finished this play, which was an amazing experience. I'd love to do some more theatre. So I'm just sort of keeping my my options open outside of Snowpiercer because, you know, we have contracts and stuff are very kind of, are quite yeah. kind of, um, you know, keep us quite close. So we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, I'm excited for the future. So where can people find you? Well, Instagram, Twitter. It, my, my thing is Sam Otto. I think it's underscore Sam Otto on Instagram and Sam underscore Otto on Twitter, I think, to make things confusing. <laughs> um i do have a youtube channel which i literally just made but that's all that has on it is the song i did for snowpiercer so i'll probably probably put some more stuff on that at some point yeah but um instagram and twitter are the kind of main ones i'd say well mainly instagram i reckon it's probably the main one at the moment but i, I try and branch those out 
<laughs> Sweet. Well, all the best with it. And guys, please remember, I'll put all the links up to where you can find Sam. Please make sure you check into all the latest episodes of Snowpiercer as well. It is an incredible series, guys. Um, until next time, keep having the hard conversations because it's the hard conversations that save lives, guys. To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.